Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. You know, this week I, I, I sent out a letter to you, our church LifePoint family. It's been quite a couple weeks in our country. And I asked you to take a couple of steps. And I've taken that really seriously, and I've been fought practicing what I put in the letter. And so I hope this last week you've really been spending a lot of time in prayer praying for others and praying for God to even open your heart. One of the, the second thing I ask you to do is that you would just ask God to really search your own heart, that you would ask God to just give you a sense of empathy for, for other people, for those who don't look like you, who don't speak like you, don't talk like you, who don't think like you. I know that's what I've been doing. And then third, I, I ask you, would you take time more than ever, to really listen. Again, listen to those who aren't like you, don't look like you, think like you, um, process like you, live where you live. And I hope you've been doing that. I know I have. I believe God has us all on a journey, and we're not sure where that journey is going to take each of us, but if your heart is truly open to God, and you're, you're saying, God, speak to me, I want to listen, I want to understand, because I know this, the world needs Jesus. Our country needs Jesus more than ever before. And I also know this, is that the church is the hope of the world. God's called us to share the love of Jesus. And so as you, I hope, I pray, go with me on a journey of God just working in your heart, working in your spirit, and showing and revealing to you what you need to see, what you need to know, what you need to understand. Then you can be that person that God's called you to be, to your friends, to your neighbors, to those in our community, to those who are like you, to those who are not like you. What I want to do right now is I want to spend some time in prayer together. So no matter where you're at, whatever, however you're watching this or listening to this, would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes and let's pray. And then after we pray, we'll dive into the message. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, God, I know that you see what is occurring in our country, God, I know your heart breaks. It's why you came, Jesus. Because, Jesus, you came that we could be reconciled to you. And, God, as we are reconciled to you, as we we receive forgiveness from you, as we receive eternal life from you, God, that forgiveness that you give to us, then, God, you want us to go and show love to others and show forgiveness to others. And, God, you want to use us You even say in your word to be a part of this ministry of reconciliation. And so, God, I don't know exactly what that looks like for each one of us, but you do. And so, Lord, I pray uh, that you would keep speaking to each of our hearts, God, that you, Holy Spirit, would open each of us up to your will and your way for our lives. And, God, I would say this for me, and I pray for this whole church that you'd use us that we'd be ministers of your gospel. We'd be ministers, as your word said, of reconciliation, re- reconciling, re- restoring people to yourself and even to one another. So God, we pray. We pray, God, that your kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven. And God, we pray very specifically that you would use Christians across this world, across this country, God, to speak peace into people's lives, that you would use us to, to, be, to be your light to our country that right now, God, so desperately, desperately 
need you. God, use us to show what it looks like to love one another. God, I pray right now as we open your word, as we talk about purpose, God, that you would speak powerfully to every single one of us, to every one of our hearts, God. And I ask for this and I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have a problem. Actually, I have a lot of problems. But one of my specific problems is that I like to compare. I don't know, do you have that same problem as well? Do you find yourself comparing? And one of my comparison traps that I fall into is garages. Now, you're thinking to yourself, that's not your problem. You might have a different comparison trap. One of mine is garages. And, and see, I have a tiny two-car garage. And when our builder built our uh, g- garage, their goal was to make it as small as possible to still get by with it being called a two-car garage, knowing that nobody would put two cars in it. <laughs> Not me. I'm putting two cars in it. So that's what we do. We put our two cars in. And we barely fit. In fact, when I pull in, I gotta make sure I pull in just barely enough so my garage can close, because if I pull in too far, I won't be able to get into the house from the garage door. I have a piece of uh, of rubber on the wall uh, where my my car door opens up because I have to open up against the wall and I don't wanna scratch my door or ding my door. And I scoot out of my door and come around the back, make sure the the vehicle's in the garage and, and then I close up the garage. And I gotta tell you, I don't have any tools in there. I don't have anything extra but just our vehicles. Well, all around me are bigger garages, three-car garages, four-car garages. There's even some five-car garages around me. There's so much space. Oh, what I would do for more garage space. Well, the comparison trap inside of me, it grew so, so much so that I finally said, I need a bigger garage. And so I decided we're going to sell our house. I needed more space. So I started my research. I visited model homes. I talked to realtors. uh, And I had pretty much decided, and I was ready to go. I found the house. I found a perfect garage. It would be wonderful for me. There's only one problem. I didn't talk to my wife, Heather, yet. Why don't you right now go ahead and type in the chat there, knucklehead. It's okay, go ahead, type it in. Don't type in anything else, just type in knucklehead. The second problem was she wasn't comparing garages like I was. So I had developed this incredible case. I mean, no one was gonna be able to turn down this case I made, so I presented this case to Heather and talked about all the benefits and how this would be better for us and for our future and for our lives, and she would have new, and you know, our kitchen was falling apart, and, and, and our windows were falling apart, our air conditioner was falling apart, and we're gonna have to spend all this money, and why deal with all that? We can start over, and we can have a new house, and, 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 and I'll have a little bigger garage as well. And so, you know, I'm telling her all this, believe it or not, She was open to the idea. And this was all over getting a bigger garage. Well, I was ready to put down the deposit. And then I had this thought, you know, I probably should pray about this before I go any further. Go ahead, right there in the chat, type it in, spiritual knucklehead. Go ahead, go go for it, spiritual knucklehead. Well, being the gracious God that he is and knowing how he creates us and how he wires us and what he needs to do to communicate to us, God was gracious 
And he gave me just two words. And it was clear. God was speaking to me. And those two words, it's like it could be in the dictionary as a definition. It's a name, but it's two words. And it's a verb. It's an adverb. It's an adjective. It's a noun. It's all of those things. And the name was Dave Ramsey. Oh, God, not Dave Ramsey, not now. I need that garage. I need more space. I need to be able to walk around. I need to be able to put my tools in the garage. God, I already have the house picked out. God, you must be in this because it's the perfect house for me. I don't want a Dave Ramsey. I've done Dave Ramsey. I've had enough of Dave Ramsey. It's time to do my neighbor's garage is what it's time for. You see, when we start to compare, when you feel like what you have or who you are is no good, when we get to that point, it's not good enough, it's inadequate, or I am not good enough, or I am not ad- I'm inadequate, it's a dangerous place to be. What I want to do this morning uh, is talk to you about the curse of comparing. You see, the fastest way for you and I to kill something special in our life is to compare it to something else. The fastest way to kill something that's otherwise very special and very meaningful is to compare it to something or someone else. And by the way, for me, I don't just compare what somebody has. Uh, There's another part of this for me, and that sometimes gets me a little bit in trouble, and I I compare what other people or what I can or can't do, and I compare to what others can do. I think about those people like Dave Pepsini and others of you who you can just make or build anything, whether it's car-related, vehicle-related, whether it's with wood or metal. If, If you have an idea, you will make it happen. Listen, I can't make anything. The only thing I can, actually, the only thing I can make is a, is a pile of d- dirty dishes. That's all I can make. I can't sing. But I got to tell you, in my other life, man, I am a worship pastor, you know, rocking the house for Jesus. I would love, I'm telling you, I've thought this before, I would love to be a worship leader, a worship pastor. I can't fix anything. I can't sing. But I find myself comparing and wishing that I can do what they can do, what Trevor can do, and, and, and everybody on this stage can do, or doing what Dave or others can do, and building that or making that. And when I compare, I feel so inadequate. If you have ever felt that way, like I have felt, The reason that you can't do what someone else can do is because you weren't called to their purpose. You weren't created by God to do what God created them to do. You weren't called by God to somebody else's purpose. Let me say that again. You weren't called by God to somebody else's purpose. You were called by God to your purpose. You were called by God to your purpose. And so I hope you will embrace this thought. I hope you will internalize this. I hope you will live this out. You are perfectly created by God to fulfill God's purpose for you. You are perfectly created by God to fulfill God's purpose for you. You see, God has given you everything you need to do everything that he created you to do. I don't know about you, but when I think about that, that's an amazing thought. 
that you are perfectly designed by the great designer to do exactly what it is that God wants you to do and his divine purpose for your life. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, in the Greek, the Greek word with the language of the Bible was written in the New Testament, that word for masterpiece, that Greek word, and this is to all you people who can make chairs and make tables and, you know, and all of you who can sing well, the Greek word for masterpiece is poema. Bet you didn't know that. There's the problem. Why don't you type it in again? Knucklehead, right? In other words, we get our word poem from that, if you figured it out, poema, poem, or poetry. It means, God says, you are a poetic work of God. You are the poetic statement of God because he created you exactly as you are. And he wants you to fulfill his purpose for you in your life. In other words, you're not an accident. You're not an accident. Whatever God creates, he creates for a purpose. If God creates something, he creates it for a purpose. Take, for example, your body, all your different body parts. Take, think about earwax for a second. And I know for some of us, we think, man, earwax, that's a little bit annoying, you know, it kind of goops up, and next thing you know, it's falling out of our ears. But earwax serves an important purpose. What does it do? Well, it, it coats our inner ear to moisturize it. It fights off infection, the, or the wax helps us fight off infections. It, it helps keep the dust and the dirt out. It lubricates, it protects, it cleans your ears. And without enough earwax, our ears become dry and they become itchy and we're more prone to infection. Now, I want you to listen to this quote from a doctor. Here's what the doctor said. They said this, once earwax has served its purpose, it migrates from, the inner, from your ear canal to the opening of your ear where it dries up and falls out. So right now, everybody take your little finger, stick it in your ear and see if you have any earwax migrating. All right, I, I know, I know, I know our doctors right now, uh, Dr. Wendy Yee, Dr. Kevin Mackey, I know you guys are listening, saying, no, no, don't do that. You know, that's a, that's a medical knucklehead. Type in medical knucklehead, right? Everybody type that in, medical knucklehead. Earwax has been created by God for a purpose. Everything he creates, he creates for a purpose. In other words, the evidence of your birth is evidence that your you are necessary, that God has a purpose for you. If you are breathing, God has a purpose for you. If you are breathing, God has something specifically suited for you. If you're not dead, God's not done. He's not done with you. If you aren't dead, God's not done with fulfilling his purpose in your life. And so since you were created by God and for God, really, we want to live our lives doing everything for his glory. On the macro level, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says it this way, whatever you do, so covering everything, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In other words, do it for him, do it for his glory. Whatever you do, you do it for his approval. That you and I would seek to please an audience of one. But the problem is, 
You and I often try to seek other, others' approval instead. Why do we care? Why do we care what others think? Well, we want to be liked by them, sure. We want them to maybe think we're important or special. And this is true for a lot of us. We want to earn or win their acceptance or their approval. We want to be approved by them. But here's the challenge with that. Comparison is the enemy of calling. Comparison is the enemy of calling. And when we compare and when we care about what others think, it robs us of our calling, of our living, our purpose that God has for us. You see, it's very, very difficult for you and I to fulfill God's purpose when we are comparing ourselves to others, someone else or something else. You and I, we won't be able to do all that God has uniquely created you to do or me to do when we're always looking around, when we're always checking something out of what they're doing, who they are, what they have, what they don't have, how they live, what's their life like. You can't fulfill your calling. You can't fulfill God's purpose in your life when you're comparing to somebody else, to who they are and what they are and what they've been called to. Now, you and I know that the Bible, as it tells us, and and a lot of you have experienced this, I imagine, that the Bible is living and active and that the Bible is alive and it's powerful and when we read it, God speaks to us and it transforms our lives and, and it's inspiring to us and it's helpful to us and it's encouraging and it's convicting. We know all that. But you know what the Bible also is? It's funny. I mean, it really is. And we see that in different parts of the Bible. And in John chapter 20, we see one of those times. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles right now if you have them or go on your phone, the YouVersion Bible app. John chapter 20. And let me kind of set this up and, and to get where we're headed in a moment. Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples, they kind of have this competition thing going on. They got a rivalry going on between them. And, and even with the other disciples, who's the greatest disciple? And, and you know, who's most important? And, and, and who gets to sit at the right hand of Jesus in heaven? And who, you know, down here, who's going to be sitting next to him, you know, at the suppers and dinners? And, and so in John 20, we have this rivalry going on, this competition going on. Now, let me tell you this. If I was Peter, I wouldn't like John very much. Now, I would love him, absolutely, but I wouldn't like him. Do you have anybody like that in your life where you love him, but you just don't like him? Definitely don't look at the person sitting next to you right now. Not a good idea. But, you know, you might have some people that, that, you, that you love, but you just don't really like. Now, why, why would it be Peter and others maybe not like John? Well, because John was annoying. John was, why was he annoying? John had this annoying habit of speaking about himself in the third person. You ever know anybody like that on the, on the old TV show, the comedy Seinfeld? Some of you used to watch that. You remember that, the Jimmy episode. And Jimmy always talked about himself in, in the third person. And he was playing basketball with Kramer and they finished the playing and, and, and he'd be talking to everybody. He's like, hey, Jimmy's under the boards. Jimmy's open. Jimmy makes the drive. He makes the shot. Jimmy's got the moves. Jimmy's down. Some of you remember that episode. So John was like Jimmy referring to himself in the third person. Listen, that's annoying. And he said this about himself. He called himself the one that Jesus loved. The one that Jesus loved. By the way, if you're somebody who speaks like that about yourself, 
as your pastor, I am telling you right now, if that's you, in the, you know, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, man, stop it. That's annoying. Pastor Chris says, stop it. I mean, it's annoying. Well, you can imagine Peter and, and the other disciples, they're, they're annoyed by John with this, that John refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. But there's more reasons John was annoying. And I want to look at this. John chapter 20. Okay, let me give you the context now. We're now at this stage. It's Sunday morning. This is the greatest day in history. And if you were with us last week, you know we mentioned it. Greatest day in history. That's Easter, Resurrection Day, where Jesus rose from the dead. And, and so Jesus is risen from the dead. The tomb is empty. Mary had been down there and discovered the tomb was empty. She ran back to see uh, the disciples, and she tells them, and she tells them, so Peter and John, they look at each other and like, man, the tomb's empty, and they run down to see it for themselves. Now, what we're going to do in John chapter 20 is we're going to look at this, and I want you to see how many times that John tells us that he's faster than Peter. Okay? Uh, this is really interesting to think about. That's actually in the Bible. I mean, I mean, we have the resurrection. We have the empty tomb. And John can pe beat Peter in a 50-yard da dash. It's in the Bible. So let's look at this. John chapter 20, verse 2. It says, she, meaning Mary, came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, watch this, the one Jesus loved. That's annoying, right? Type it in right now to the chat. Type in, that's annoying. That's annoying. So John's referring to himself in the third person. She comes to him, she came to them, look at this, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. Now I want you to count with me. Are you ready? Let's count. John chapter 20, verse 3. So Peter and the other disciple, that's John, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple, what's the word? What does it say? Type it in. The other disciple outran. There's one. Outran Peter and reached the tomb when? What's the word? First. Number two. Look at John 20, verse 6. Then Simon Peter came along. Where's Peter? Where's Peter? Simon Peter came along behind him, behind John. There's number three, and went straight into the tomb. Jump down to John chapter 20, verse 8. Finally, the other disciple, that's John, who had reached the tomb when? First, also went in inside. Four times, John tells us, I got to the tomb faster than Peter. I outran Peter. I got there first. I'm quicker than Peter. He may be the rock, but I'm faster. Comparison, it kills our calling. John compared himself to Peter. Peter compared himself to John. They compared himself to one another. Who, who does Jesus like more? Who does Jesus love more? Who's more important? Who gets to sit close to Jesus? Who has the best seats, the best place? Who's the rock? Who's the fastest? Who's loved more? Comparison kills your calling. And I imagine some of you do the same thing that they did. You're a mom and you're comparing yourself to that annoying Pinterest mom who's always posting, you know, this amazing stuff. Maybe a friend of yours and you know what I'm talking about. We've been in this lockdown and, and, and she's posting all this, you know, these homemade goodies she's making and doing and these crafts and playing with the kids. And the only thing that your kids are, are, are making for you is just making you crazy. And you're like, I'm done doing the homeschool thing. You might compare marriages. 
And right now we're in this season and you hear about friends or others, man, man, they're taking advantage of this time and they're putting the kids to bed and they're having, you know, in-home date nights and, you know, candles and, and a special meal together and music and, and, and it's incredible for them. Or maybe you're comparing families and you hear about the family, they're having devotional, family devotions, and they're going on walks together, and they're praying together, and here, all you can do is pray to make it through another day without killing your kids. Comparing comes in so many forms. It can be anything. She's got more followers. He has more influence. She's in better shape. He has more money. Whatever it is, better vacations, bigger this, better home, better garage. Comparison is a curse, and it robs us of our calling. It robs us of fulfilling God's purpose for us. Now, here's what's interesting. The story of Peter and John don't end here. Uh, you might know this, but Peter, right before Jesus uh, uh, went to the cross to die for our sins, right before that, Peter denied knowing Jesus three times. And after Jesus uh, rises from the dead, he has this powerful moment with Peter where he basically forgives Peter and he reinstates him as the rock and reinstates his, his mission and his goals and his calling and his purpose. And he says to Peter in John chapter 21, he says this. Jesus says to him, hey, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, yes, I do. do you? Jesus says again, do you love me? And Peter's like, absolutely. Jesus says again, do you love me, Peter? And Peter's like, yes, yes, Lord, of course. And then Jesus says to him, well, your purpose is to go feed my sheep. That's your calling. That's your purpose. I want you to go feed my sheep. That's what I have called you to do. That's your purpose. Now, here's what I want you to notice. If, hopefully, your Bibles are open here. Immediately after this, Jesus had just told them, I've forgiven you. I'm with you. Here's your purpose. Feed my sheep. Immediately after that, notice what it says. John chapter 21, verse 20. Peter turned and saw the other disciple that Jesus loved. Think about this. Jesus just said, hey, Peter, I forgive you. Here's your purpose, here's your calling, here's what I have for you. And the next thing G G uh, Peter does is he looks at John and notice this, verse 21, he says, Lord, what about him? Lord, what about him? What's his purpose? Lord, what's his calling? What's he gonna do? How does that compare to what I'm going to do? How does his purpose compare to mine? Jesus answered, verse 22, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. Jesus says, you have your purpose. I have given you your purpose. Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, don't worry about someone else's calling. Don't worry about somebody else's purpose. Just focus on what it is I've called you to do, what I've called you to be. Feed my sheep. Peter, that's your purpose. Now listen, I know without a doubt, God wants every one of us to hear what I'm about to say. So I'm asking everybody right now to, to really tune in and pay attention. Pay attention extra. Matt Feaster, I know you're in the kitchen right now. You know, you're making uh, breakfast for your family. I know it, I know that's what you're doing. Put that spatula down. Steve Kish, I know you're on the bike right now. Listen, slow the cadence down, look up. I know you're sweating and dripping all that. Look up, I want you to look right up at me. Those of you right now who are like, hey, new house, new gar bigger garage, I like that. You've been watching and listening, but you've also been checking out new houses. 
You two, look up right now. As my, my son, used, Kobe, used to say, look at me, look at me. I want everybody right now to look at me. It's time. It is time to stop comparing our callings. It's time for you and I. It's time for you. It's time for me. Stop comparing your calling. God has a purpose specifically for you. He created you specifically to do what he has called you to do. Stop comparing your calling. The fastest way to kill something special that God's doing in you is to compare it to someone or something else. See, that's why some of us, some of you, you're miserable. And I don't know what you're miserable in. Maybe for some of you, you're miserable in your marriage because you're comparing what you have to what somebody else has. Maybe some of you are miserable with your home because you're comparing what somebody else has to what you have. Maybe for some of you, you know, the reality is you're comparing your kids. Don't tell me that's not true for some of us. You've been there. Your kids are out on the sports fields and you're sizing up your kid with the other kids. And where does your kid rank? And, and if you see that kid that's a little better than yours or, or more skilled than yours, you're thinking to yourself, oh man, I wish my son, I wish my daughter did that or had that. And for some of you, you're comparing your calling. You're comparing your purpose. And you're thinking, well, what I do, it's not as important as what they do. What I do, it's not making as big of a difference as the difference they're making. What I do, it's not as significant as what they do. And that comparing that you and I do, it kills our calling. It kills our, the purpose that God has for us. So let's embrace this truth. Let's embrace this reality that you are perfectly created by God to fulfill his purpose and purposes in you and through you. You have everything you need to do everything that God wants to do through you. You have everything you need that God wants to specifically do through you. In fact, I love what the Hebrew uh, writer says about this whole idea and where our focus is. He says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he says this, let us run with perseverance. Man, this season right now we're in, it takes some serious perseverance. So let's not give up. Let's not grow weary in doing good. Let's, let's run with perseverance. Let's remain faithful. Let's keep focus. Let's run with perseverance. And notice what the author of Hebrews says. Let's run with perseverance. The race marked out for that other Pinterest mom. Is that what it says? Let us run the race that's marked out for that other business owner. Let's ra- run the race that's marked out for that other teacher. No. It doesn't say let us run the race marked out for them. What does it say? It says let us run the race marked out for who? Type it in. For us. For us. In other words, there is a race that you are called to run. It's your race. Your race is your race. My race is my race. We each have our own race to run. You can't win my race. I can't win your race. We each have our own race to run. So run with perseverance your race, fulfilling your calling, fulfilling God's purpose in you. Then what do we do? Notice it's an important verse. How do we do it? 
What does it look like? Hebrews 12, 12 verse 2 says, fixing your eyes or fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Man, we run our own race. We fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the prize. He's the one we're trying to please. He's our audience of one, not someone else, not something else. What did Peter do right after Jesus told him, hey, here's your purpose, feed my sheep. What did he do immediately following? He looked back at John. What about him, Jesus? And Jesus is like, no, Peter, no, no, no. That's the fastest way to kill something special that's in you. When you look at someone else's race, when you compare callings, when you fix your eyes on somebody else rather than fix your eyes on me, you will miss out on what I have for your life and the purpose I have for your life and fulfilling your calling in your life that I have for you. Have you caught it? You're not called to run somebody else's race. I'm not called to run somebody else's race. And there is so much freedom for our lives when we can get to that point where we don't have to be caught up in somebody else's race. And when you get to that point, and when I get to that point, guess what happens? We can be that other person, that other friend, that other family member. We can be their biggest champion. They're running their race, and you say, go for it. Run your race, and I'm your biggest cheerleader, and I hope it's bigger, better, faster, stronger, more generous, more powerful. I hope more significant. Go for it. I hope that happens for you. And you can get to that point. And I, you and I can get to that point when we run our own race. John the Baptist, he figured this whole thing out. His disciples were comparing Jesus and John, and John knew his calling. He was running his race. He knew his purpose. He wasn't comparing. And so that when they said, hey, John, John, Jesus is on the scene, and he's taken our disciples, more, a bunch of our disciples, and, and he's got more followers now. He's got more likes than you do. And John's like, sweet, go, Jesus, go. That's the Chris paraphrase of what he actually said. Here's what he actually said, John chapter 3, verse 30. He told his disciples about Jesus. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. He must increase and I must decrease. Now listen, you only can be free to say that when you know your calling, when you know your purpose that God created you for and you don't compare with others. Be the best at what he created you to be Make a difference in only the way that only you can make a difference. Run your race. And by the way, I got to say this real quick. This is really important. Don't insist that your purpose, your calling, your passion becomes the calling or the passion of other people. You run your race. Somebody else is running their race. Don't judge somebody else's action or their reaction or their lack of participation in your calling because they don't have what you have. Of course they don't. That's your race. It's not their race. It's your calling. It's not their calling. So be careful. Don't impose your passion, your purpose, your calling on other people. So, are you willing to say, I'm going to run my race? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now and you're saying it's time? God, I want to stop comparing. I want to run my race. In fact, if you're ready, if you say, you know what, God, I know what you're saying to me. I'm hearing you, God. The Holy Spirit's speaking to my life. i got to stop comparing. I'm done with comparing. I'm going to run my race. Would you just type that into the chat? Say, I will run my race. Just that right there. If God's speaking to you, if you're saying, I'm ready, I'm going to run my race, just type it in. I will run my race. 
I've been called to my purpose. I will run my race. Maybe for some of you right now, that race is raising your kids and you're up to your eyeballs and dirty diapers. Man, change those diapers for the glory of God. That's your race. Run your race right now. Some of you right now, your race, God has called you. Your purpose right now is to care for an aging or, or dying or sick relative. And that is your purpose. Run that race to the glory of God. Some of you right now, you opened up a brand new homeschool in the middle of May, excuse me, middle of March. You never planned it. It wasn't in the cards. You had no intentions of that. But now, right now, that is your race. Run that race. That's what God's called you to. What is your race to run? Maybe it's serving in student ministry or LP kids. I got to tell you, right now, they need you more than ever calling them, reaching out to them, Zooming with them, FaceTiming with them, drive by their house, whatever the case may be, they need you right now and you love those kids, you love those students and you're like, hey, I'm gonna run my race right now, what I'm called to do and what that looks like for me. Some of you serve in the gift of groceries and that is your race God's called you to and you serve some of you once a week, twice a week, some of you every day and you pick up groceries and you do it for the glory of God knowing that it changes lives. Run your race. You're a business owner. And you said, I may not be the biggest business. I may not have the most capital, the most resources, the most money, but I operate in a godly fashion and I operate with integrity. And that's, I'm running my race and I will continue to operate on godly principles, on truth and with integrity. Maybe for you, your race is just to be a godly parent and to raise godly kids. You're gonna be a leader in your home, over your family, you be you in that. You run your race. What is it for you? What is your race to run? Last verse, Acts chapter 13, verse 36, it said this. It said about David from the Old Testament, King David. It says, David had served God's what? God's purpose in his own generation. You see, David did what God created him to do, what God called him to do. So what about you? You've been called by God to your purpose. So it's time to stop comparing. It's just a trap. Stop comparing because it's the fastest way to kill what God is doing in your life is when you start comparing you or who you are or what you have to somebody else. God created you exactly like you are. He put you exactly where you are. He knew this whole season, these last months, would be here. It wasn't a surprise to him. And God has called you to your purpose, to make a difference in the lives of those around you. What is your race? Let's stop comparing our calling. Let's stop comparing. We've been called to our purpose. So run your race. Step into it. Step into your purpose. Say yes to God in that and watch what God does as he uses you to make an incredible impact for his kingdom. Whether it's right in your home, in your, in your neighborhood, in our community, maybe even across this country. Perhaps even for some of you around the world. Run your race. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Hear our prayers right now as we come before you, as we lay our hearts before you. God, I know there's some of us who 
your heart stirring us. And God, there's even tears visibly or we're hiding them because we've spent days, weeks, months, years, decades comparing. And God, it's been a hard race because we've been trying to run somebody else's race. So God, I come before you and I lay my life, I lay this church's life before you and say, God, I don't want to compare anymore. I only want to live for an audience of one for you, for your glory. And if you're with me on this, if that's you, if you say, I'm done comparing, say, God, Lord Jesus, I come before you now humbly to say, God, I don't want to compare anymore. I want to run my race, the race you've called me to. I know, Jesus, you've called me to a specific purpose. And so I want to press into that, God. I want to lean into that. So God, right now, as best as I even comprehend what I'm praying, that your Holy Spirit's speaking through me. Lord God, I just tell you right now, I want to run my race. I want to run my race. Give me the strength to do this. The courage the boldness, and the wisdom and the insight to even understand it, to see it. So Lord Jesus, I lay my heart before you today. I pray this in Jesus' name. God, would you hear each and every one of these prayers as we cry out passionately to you that we want to step into our calling and run our race. May you be glorified in each of our lives as you do a mighty work in us and through us for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.